Hey, it's Brian Rosen with BevStrat. I have the pleasure today to have on the show, if you will, uh, Jeff Hotmeyer, who's been a friend of mine for 20 years plus. Um, I've known Jeff from my days when I was running Sam's Wines in Chicago. And Jeff, I think you were at Blavad. Is that right? Players Extreme? Yeah, you have Players Extreme back in the day, yeah. Exactly. So Jeff is a friend of mine, and he's doing a ton of cool stuff globally. So first, in full disclosure, as I had said, we are friends. We do have business relationships together. But um, for today's show, I want to talk about what Jeff is working on and what, how he sees the market and what the market is doing now. So Jeff, what are you doing? Because I know it's a lot of cool stuff. Well, this weekend I pulled a lot of weeds from the yard. But outside of that, you know, we today are one of the largest bulk spirit trading firms probably in the world, moving large quantities of bourbon, whiskey, vodka, gin all over the place. We also do quite a bit of strategic consulting for our different brands that are out there, more on the merger and acquisition side or uh, finding capital, not so much from startups, but bigger firms that are already in place needing to take the leap to go to the next place. Got it. So when you say we do, is this we, is Brindiamo? It's Brindiamo and Brindiamo means to toast in Italian. So there you go. There you go. And so from the bourbon trading perspective, tell me like, what is that? And how, is that something for the average investor? Is that something for, for the big guys? How does that work? So a lot of the brands out there buy and sell bourbon to fill gaps in their portfolio for ages. So they may not have enough four-year-old because they just opened two years ago, or they may not have access to 15-year-old. And we're able to supply them with access to that product uh, so that they can put it in their brand and blend it out to be what they want to offer um, it would be like, as I see Avery's behind you, if Avery wanted to do a 15-year-old bourbon. Where do you see it? I don't even see it myself. Above the Bev Strat. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if they wanted to do a 15-year-old bourbon, they've only been around four years. They probably couldn't have any because they haven't been around to make it. Right. So we, we have the ability to supply multiple ages and Everything from bourbon, whiskey, rum, tequila, you know, pretty much any, any spirit there. So from a brand owner and from a distillery, if you're licensed or have the right requirements, we can supply it and get it to you. As an individual, it's really complicated for you to hold beverage alcohol because you cannot take actual delivery of it. So we actually have a license that allows us to hold it, but individual investors can ring us up and we can guide them through the, the way for them to buy barrels and hold them over a period of time and usually generates 121 to 197% return on the investment. I'm no expert, but that seems like it's pretty high. It's pretty high. It's pretty high. <laughs> one, one of the things that, that, I, that I know is that people turn to this bourbon commodity market, if you will, because for suppliers, I'm saying, because the spirit business historically is very capital intensive and very front loaded. 
And so you have to have the money not only to find the spirit, but lay it down for five to seven years or whatever the time frame is. And what you're saying is you can buy already, maybe pay a short-term premium, but you get in business perhaps four years earlier. Is that correct? You're exactly right. So that it affords brand owners the opportunity to bring a product to market right away. I love it. I love it. So is that, so I know that you, you're wearing a shirt there. It's not a t-shirt. going topless. It's a branded shirt. So what is, that's Distill One. And what is that company, uh, if you want to talk about it? And what will that, what does that allow, A, the big corporate conglomerate, and B, the individual investor, if anything? One of the things we realized was that there is no marketplace today that exists for B2B brokering of bulk spirits. Everything is done on phones, on emails, on texts, kind of like you buying it over here, here's you're selling it over here. So there had to be a way to create a marketplace around what we're, what we're doing. And Distill One will be the first uh, global spirits B2B marketplace. We have invested our capital into it, uh, have created it. It is really, really cool. It's an app on your phone. Uh, it's loaded with 10 years of trading history, 4,000 TIBs, connects buyers and sellers directly to each other without them knowing who the buyer and who the seller are and manages the whole process. So it does everything that we do, gets you samples, does verification of the sample before it even gets to you. Uh, it's pretty cool what you can do with the technology today. And so we are hoping that it puts uh, our firm, Brindiamo, out of business and takes the place of that and becomes you know, an Amazon-type marketplace for B2B spirits. They say that any, any really good investment, I think, is designed to put you out of business from a technology standpoint. You know, bookstores were initially behind Amazon until it put them out of business. And so uh, that you could be onto something there. That's very cool. Um, and what, when, do we, when will the average person, people that watch our, our kind of from LinkedIn and, and my followers and your followers and, and globally, when can they expect to see that as a common, is it in the app store? Is it, is it a closed app or how does that work? It is in the app store, but you can't get it yet. It's, it's in the developer section. Got it. Uh, okay. We're still doing beta tests on it, and we're running buys and sells all the time on it to make sure that any of the things that uh, happen happen to us and don't happen with others. And it's not about moving one barrel across the platform. It's about moving hundreds of thousands of barrels across the platform. So it yeah. has to be it has to work. It has to be extremely robust. It has to be one hundred percent trustworthy and ver verifiable because, large sums move across that marketplace. So uh, I'm, I'm, prior to COVID, maybe we would have said June, maybe now we'll do July, August type of time frame. It just depends on when we think we can get back out there and personally show it to some people. Yeah, that's amazing. So you, um, with your vast knowledge of TV and broadcast radio, you've just given me a segue to COVID. So hey, see how yeah, that works? look at you, look at, like a pro. Um, talk to me about, so we at BevStrat, I know we're seeing, and what we say all the time online and, and people that follow us know that we say this is that a hundred percent of the market needs to go through 50% channel, meaning on-premise is closed. A hundred percent of sales need to go through off-premise 
on-premise is going to come back slowly, and no one is quite sure how it comes back. Um, we have brands that are with Bevstrat that beer brands, for instance, that won't sell any keg beer, but now we're going to go to canning and bottling because it's a more sterile and safer thing. So, Jeff, what do you see, kind of how does COVID, how will COVID, in your opinion, mind you, because, you know, everyone's got opinions, how does COVID, how will it affect the remainder of 2020? And what do you think going forward 2021 will look like from an all-over perspective? It can be supplier-based, uh, often on-premise-based, uh, or distributor-based, or technology-based even. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I believe that COVID has changed the on-premise business forever and that it will be materially different as it starts to come back to life as we're seeing whether they turn on and allow 25% of the people in, 50% of the people in, whatever it is, yeah, um, there is going to be a monster dramatic turn downward, I would say. And I think the problem is, is that as these on-premise accounts open, if they open and they can only have 50% of the people in or you have to stand six feet apart from everybody, they can't afford to run the operation, uh, their restaurant or anything like that with that kind of a crowd. So they're not going to be able to pay rent, blah, blah, blah. It's just going to kind of steamroll down. I also think that today, many of the distributors around the country and certainly around the world have extended credit to a lot of those establishments. And, and we haven't begun to feel how that's going to yet affect the distributors because those restaurants are not going to be able to pay for their goods either. So I have some great concern for on-premise. I think that a lot of the rules are changing and allowing these restaurants to be able to do bottle service and you can go pick it up or take out some bottle service. I don't know whether that's long-term or short-term type stuff, but with all these other people, the distilleries and the wineries and everybody direct shipping, they're competing now with these bottle sales and the on-premise. And I just think it's going to be too much. So I think that's going to change on-premise. And, you know, we used to always say you build brands on-premise, you sell cases yep. off-premise, right? It's an old wives tale, by the way. Okay. So, so, so it's going to be tough. I mean, yeah. that's that's really tough and you're fighting for space. How are you going to outspend Bacardi and Diageo uh, in that type of an environment? You can't. I mean, it's just very, very difficult to get your message across. I think the off-premise business, has we've seen it certainly grow. You know, everybody loaded up a ton ahead of time to take home so that they wouldn't run out of beverages. We did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look, look behind me. Yeah. I think that the off-premise retailers are, are, are learning. I went to one the other day and, you know, the front door was open, but there was a desk across the front door. You had to tell the person what you wanted. They walked them back to grab it and bring it up front. And if it was the wrong one, they walked back, got you a different one. I mean, you certainly couldn't parouse the stores and the shelves like we used to. So yeah. I think what will happen is – the direct shipping rules are going to change and really open up. And I think route to market is, is really going to end up in the near future being more of a direct selling opportunity and using social media and other ways 
to directly communicate to buyers who then become your own brand ambassadors, but I think they're going to end up having to buy it direct. Well, um, it's interesting because that's, a, that's something I've never thought about. I've pontificated about what's going to happen forever, but you said something very interesting and I've never touched upon it, which is this DTC market. Everyone is talking Drizzly, Minibar, Thirsty, all these mobile apps, which requires still kind of a BevStrat mentality where we go into these accounts because you can't sell through those apps unless you're in the right stores. Then you've got to be on the right homepage for the right app. And there's a lot to it. What you're saying is a little contrarian to what I say, uh, frankly, is that the, the, the midterm play is really the wineries and the distilleries and maybe in some cases even the breweries will be shipping directly to your home in order to stay relevant or stay solvent because one channel is closed on premise, this new channel of DTC becomes really the good option. Yeah, I think, I think you see it a lot with the wineries. They've been direct shipping for a long time. You see lots of states now opening up um, the ability to ship spirits direct to a consumer and you bypass the trade, right? And I don't see the states reducing that and going back to the old way because the states are still getting their tax revenue, right? So, so that's what they're focused on. And, and I've seen enough business plans and things come across my desk where people are trying to raise money for these types of delivery vehicles that, that, that aggregate the collection of spirits and wines behind you in the one platform and ship it direct to you. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it never hits the retailer. Higher it, margin for everyone. Right. But prices don't necessarily change, right, to you at home. It's not like you get it cheaper. But because you can't go out to a retail store, like in, I'm sure, your neck of the woods, everything's closed. I'm making it up. But so, some stuff is. Who's that? My neck of the woods or your neck of the woods? My neck of the woods, everything's open. Yeah, we're, we're 50% here right now. Okay. In, in I mean, I think that they are creating ways to change the dynamic of the system forever. And I think that amazing the, 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 brands that the brands and the people that you're talking to and advising that are focusing on direct connection to consumers and creating making them feel like owners, like they've discovered the brand, like they're part of it, like they're, and that they're then being directed within that communication to a way to get the product direct to them. Now, whether that way is drizzly or whether that is direct from the La Crema winery, right? It right. will direct them directly and you will never know the retailer or how you got the product. It's just the, gonna show up. The new world, it's a new world. It, it could be, yeah. and that, that, that's, that's, my, that's my guess anyway. It, Listen, I'm, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you something that, you know, in closing, um, I, I believe in your guess. It's just, there's all these different channels and, these, and really these different ways, and, and the market will tell you the truth, and the market will guide you to whatever makes the most sense. Right now, off-premises, I think 100% open across the country, assuming Pennsylvania is open this month like it was supposed to. On-premise is a slow go. I know Illinois is hoping for June 26th to fully open restaurants. New York is the 21st, and you know the rest of the country is somewhere in that vein. Um, Minibar, Drizzly, Thirsty are showing 300% increases month over month. Um, distributors are showing 
incredible increases off-premise, but on-premise, they've laid off 50% of their workforce. Yeah, but so, the on-premise losses are, are, you know, it's, the distributors are saying they're about 8.8 to 9% down, right. right, on their total business. You've got a situation in California where there's an oversupply of wine and grapes. Yeah. Right. Now you've got a 10% oversupply in distributors. So, so you've got a, a, a ton of products sitting out there, right? Yep. That, that, that makes it challenging. And I'm not, look, I love spirits. I love wine. I, I love the business. I think it's interesting to be part of such a dynamic shift on a global basis to see what's going to happen through all of this. But I think the market will direct it. But in the end, you have to find what's the right message for your brand and what's the right direction for your own identity. And if that's a social media platform to take it out, to go DTC, that's what it is. If it's going through the traditional ways, that's what it is. If it's just crushing it in your home state and owning your home state and worrying about the rest later, that's a pretty interesting way to go about it. So the market will eventually dictate what happens. Yeah, but I think there's truth in the sentence, own your backyard, right? Right. Maybe now is that opportunity. Maybe it's more important to be to own the five blocks around your distillery in suburban Memphis uh, than it is to own New York, California, and New Jersey. Uh, it's also much cheaper. Yeah, and, and, and frankly, uh, much more brand resonance locally. Totally. It, it's, it's like hot, it's like I always describe it as, you know, uh, gum on a sidewalk on a hot day. You step on it and your shoe keeps sticking to it, right? And you bend down and you touch your hand to it and your hand sticks, you know, you get it on your fingers and everything. So it's, you want that gum. That's what you want for your brand. Right, that's kind of a weird thing to say. Yeah, but it's easier to do it in your backyard than it is doing it in California. No question. And we we see suppliers all the time that are, you know, two guys making a bourbon in in upstate New York. And and they they, want global distribution. And they want to own California. And own your, you know, own the finger hills, the finger lakes. Go, go, Go walk into a retailer or a large restaurant chain. <clears throat> and the restaurant chain says, hey, we love your product, but we're in 42 states. You yeah, can no, the no, distribution, no. right? Appreciate and then the let fire, us know. Right. Listen, I've taken a lot of your time. Thank you very much for uh, speaking, with, speaking with me today. You're an old friend. I appreciate you coming on. Um, and any final words or advice for the people in the, in the ethos there? In the ethos, look. I think that uh, hold on to your hats. Things are going to change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? And uh, don't make quick decisions. There you go. That's, that's spoken like Jeff Hotmeyer. Uh, Brian Rosen, thanks for watching. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys. See you.